the group is U.S. term limits. I'm loving that term. I'm loving that. But in it's a legitimate organization, not a bunch of crazy people who legitimately would like to introduce term limits to politicians in Washington, D.C. You know, I jumped at the chance to talk with Scott Tillman from U.S. term limits. He's the big cheese there. Scott, good morning and thanks for talking with us. Wow. Wow. I'll well, good you, morning. Thank yeah. you very much for having us. Yeah, yeah. It, absolutely my pleasure. Does anybody – well, first of all, let me just ask so I can hear it from you. Uh, are you seriously, honestly, no kidding, legitimately trying to introduce term limits in Washington, D.C.? We are, and we're, we're trying two ways. We're trying the only ways that the Supreme Court has left to us, which is one way through the U.S. House and Senate and the other way through the, the 50 states. There's a, a process for each. So every state has to agree to term limits before it would happen? Well, what happens is 34 states, two-thirds of the states, need to request that Congress have a convention for an amendment on term limits. And we we have three that have declared or asked for specifically term limits uh, amendment convention, and then we have an additional uh, 12 that have asked for a convention that includes term limits. All right, the Convention of States, which is kind of a scary thing for some people. They're concerned that once the convention is called, all kinds of crazy things that politicians promised wouldn't come up suddenly do come up with renewed interest. Is is that something that we should be afraid of, a Convention of States? The fear of the Convention of States goes back to... Um uh, or a convention of states. There's there's a movement called the Convention of States, and I'm working on a, a you know a term limits amendment, which is a separate group from that. Um, but the fear of the idea of having a convention called by the states goes back to our founding when they amended the Articles of Confederation. In the Articles of Confederation, there was no process for amending the Articles of Confederation. So when the states sent their delegation, they sent them and said, either go fix this or give us a new document. And they couldn't fix it, so they gave them a new document, which they were doing as they were instructed. In the making of the new document, they saw that it was a problem, that it couldn't be amended, so they included Article 5 in the U.S. Constitution, which was then later ratified and approved by all the states. And that is the governing process of the convention. So the idea that a convention can go and do other things is it's, it's hilarious that people would think that a convention could go and do other things. It can be shut down by Congress. It can be shut down by the states without ratification or anything, and it can be shut down by the Supreme Court. There's lots, lots of ways for uh, a convention to be stopped if anybody tries to introduce something that people don't like. All right. So there's a lot of people out there who, who claim that it could go off the rails. Those people are not well-versed in their, their law or their history. It's, you know, it's governed, you know, the, the process by which this convention will be called is written into Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. The Supreme Court has jurisdiction. Any problem could easily be shut down by the courts. There's no way that there could be a runaway convention. So, all right. So uh, the the uh, fear of uh, the uh, of the convention is uh, unwarranted. That's good to know. Uh, it is. We actually have a runaway convention at this moment. Congress can go and propose. I mean, Congress could propose an amendment later today. They go through and write unconstitutional laws all the time. And the courts are overturned some, and some of them the courts let them get away with. But Congress is in session every year. They're essentially runaway. The only way that we can hem them in is to amend the Constitution to draw back on their power. And that's one of the things that term limits is about, is hemming in Congress. Because right now we've got a few long-term senior members 
rule the roost, and they essentially, uh, you know, are using their position, their institutional knowledge, to line their pockets and line the pockets of their friends. And that's that. Is that part of the reason that that uh, the the Constitution it is is uh, or the convention? I'm sorry, is not being called because those politicians are afraid they might lose their uh, their their pipeline to cash. That's a big part of the reason why we don't have term limits. Uh, the Congress could just propose it without a convention. They could, you know, put the amendment to the states tomorrow. They could vote it out with of the House, vote it out of the Senate, and they could send it to the states for ratification. No need to go through the, the convention process. The convention process is set up so that there will be checks and balances on anything that comes out that's not not approved by the people and not overwhelmingly popular with, with the people uh, and the states. Because it has to, you know, anything that comes out has to be either of Congress or of a convention needs to be approved by 38 states. So it'd be pretty easy for 13 states to shut down something they don't like, which is why we're not going to get something that's extremely biased one way or the other, because it'll be too easy to shut down. But term limits has 75 to 80% support across party lines. Term limits is a truly bipartisan issue, and uh, it's, it's going to take a bipartisan issue like that to get the approval needed at the states. I am surprised that it's only 75 or 80 percent of support. I have not spoken to a single voter who doesn't think term limits. I've even spoken to a number of uh, political scientists, friends of mine, who are deeply involved in politics for a living who didn't but now do favor term limits. So the, the tide is turning just ever so slowly. Well, and we say, uh, you know, I, I said 75 to 80, our latest polling, uh, and it's, you know, it's not game polling. We poll it right out there and we ask questions in lots of different ways so we get good answers. But 82% of people uh, want it. And you think, wow, 82 to 18. No, it's not 82 to 18. It's like 82 to 9. And there's like an undecided portion in there. Sure. And when you look at that percentage, the only place where you get a poll where people don't like term limits is if you poll where people work for the government, uh, not work for the government, but work for politicians <laughs> or work for lobbyist organizations. Yeah. I mean, people who work in the government actually like term limits. But when you talk about the lobbyist organizations, so if you were to poll, you know, inside the Madison Beltway or inside the D.C. Beltway or inside the, I'm in Michigan, inside the Lansing Beltway, then you'll get a skewed number. But it's pretty much that 9% is people who are somehow making their living off of government. Oh, but I completely understand that. It's in, maybe you've seen a, a, a pretty interesting and popular meme on social media. So you believe that people can't govern themselves, but you believe that some people can govern hundreds of millions of other people. Right. Man is flawed, but we should put one man in charge. Yeah. Man is flawed, but uh, but this small group of individuals knows best for all of us. Uh, what else? And they're really good at it because they want a popularity contest, you know. That's, that's what qualifies. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, right, because they have more money. They, they uh, in some cases, uh, just spent more money than everybody else, and that was the only name voters could remember. Hey, before we run out of time, different topic, but you're in Michigan today, a very port- important uh, 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 election day, the primary in Michigan. Uh, do you have any idea which way it's going to go, Bernie or uh, Biden? I really don't know if it's going to go to Bernie or Biden. Most of my friends are getting people out to vote against the cities and counties are sneaking a whole bunch of tax approval increases on the ballot today. Uh. So everybody I know is trying to turn out their friends and family to go vote because they, they don't know that along with presidential votes, they're going to have to vote on uh, you know, tax millage, we call them millages in, in, in Michigan, where, you, you know, it's a tax approval that's going to be assessed on your home for the next 
10, 15, or 30 years. Yeah, yikes. I, I hope voter turnout is huge. I hope it is. In Michigan, far more important uh, uh, things on the ballot. Another good reason, ladies and gentlemen, to pay attention to a primary. Because as our guest, Scott Tillman, just pointed out, they're also voting on local tax issues. In Wisconsin, who knows what else will be on the ballot besides Bernie or Biden?